0: A very exciting day at Vikings training camp. I'm going to tell you all the good news here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day every single day. You can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash NFL. I'm at camp, everyone, so I'm going to talk about camp. I think that's what you all want to hear about. Right. Um, so it was a real sharp day. That's the headline for me. Really sharp day at camp, um, especially for the ones on offense, the ones on defense, not too far behind um, the twos and threes. Some of them had their moments, you know, that that's kind of how those units tend to go. You get a lot of ones versus threes, twos versus ones, that kind of thing. Um in this particular camp and then there were situationals at the end the defense won on both accounts there was a cam bynum interception that was a really bad sailed throw by kirk cousins one of his only misses on the whole day he kirk was great all day but he missed on that one and then a very plotting drive from the twos led by sean mannion today they're still rotating with that with mond um that got all the way down to the 13 with three seconds to go it was a very slow plotting drive they had like two timeouts and a minute and more on on that to get down, they were down four, so they needed a, needed a touchdown, and Albert Wilson dropped one in the, the end zone. Those are situationals. But really, the headline of the day, I think the thing you're going to see a lot of people talking the most about is Ed Ingram taking first-team reps on a day where Jesse Davis participated, and Jesse Davis took some second-team reps. This is an, a, a meaningful movement in that position battle. This is what you're looking for. When the distribution of reps changes, you know you've got something going here. Um, so I, for whatever it's worth, I think Ed Ingram looked better than Jesse Davis has looked at any of those days in this particular one. I thought he had a pretty good day. Um, but I think more meaningful is just the decision to start giving him rotational reps with the ones, um, that was a planned thing. That wasn't just an on the fly move. They told him before like, Hey, you're going to get some opportunities with the ones today. Um, and usually, you know, they would like hide it behind like a veteran rest day or whatever, but now they're actually saying, okay, this is, here it is real competition. You guys are now trading reps. They didn't start trading reps. They are now trading reps. That means there is a forward momentum. And in my experience of, of looking at training camp, to me, it tends to go that, you know, when there's a little bit of motion that it's really hard to stop that inertia, because that only happens when one player has clearly demonstrated that they are better than the other player, and um, that is not something that like accidentally happens then overturns as soon as he starts getting more reps with the ones, especially because Ingram had been getting reps with the ones on all those veteran rest days that Jesse Davis got. So for me, as I've thought about it, I think on my post practice YouTube live stream which you can by the way find at uh, the Lockdown Vikings YouTube channel after practice probably like 4:45 central something like that. Um but on that somebody asked like okay what are the odds that Eddie Ingram wins the the starting job and I think I put it at a 50-50 and as I'm thinking about it just based on like the trajectory and where they both started and stuff it's probably a good bit more than 50 like 75-25 maybe. It's not 25 is real. That's that doesn't mean it's impossible for Ed Ingram to lose this job and for Jesse Davis to take it back and maybe Ingram falls off or something like that. Um, But right now, I don't think that a decision to start changing the reps gets made until Ingram has already proven the answer to some of the questions surrounding this elsewhere on the offensive line. um, I I really saw what we're talking about about Christian Derrissaw on this practice. Um, that was uh, it was a really nice day for him, and you know it, the the Trent Williams comparison is probably something that they should, whoever said it shouldn't have said because now that's going to be everything. Um, and I'm not all that familiar with Trent Williams's game, so I, I can't really speak to it. But I am very excited about Christian Darisson, nonetheless. And really, it's about recovery for me. O is all about recovery o-line is never going to be perfect for you you are going to have like every o-line is going to have plays where you're just taking like a a lazy kind of half-hearted bull rush on everybody or your uh you know your assignment your guy just kind of needed to occupy you and something else is going on in the pass rusher or whatever every o-line is going to have plays that just look kind of like really clean simple wins and even the worst ones have all that. Like Even the Dakota Dozers, I mean, they don't get beat every single play, right? They get beat on a third of those plays, and that's abysmal. But two-thirds of those plays are still good. And it's on those bad plays, the ones that don't start out well, that I think separate the men from the boys a little bit. When you get beat off the line, say they just get a better get-off than you, or you set the wrong way, or they had the right leverage on you or something, the greatest offensive linemen know how to recover and how to still make a comeback and win that rep. Everybody can win the easy reps. The hard ones are the ones where you start out behind. There was a great Zedarius Smith rep against Christian Derrissaw. It was a one-on-one, and Zadarius threw everything he had at him. It was a really good move. Got around him, um, got up upfield on him, got to the outside of him, and, and Derrissaw did a great job of stepping back in front and locking Smith down. It was a phenomenal recovery rep. And at the end, Zedarius Smith had to like begrudgingly give Derisaw a high five. He had to admit, all right, you got me on that one, buddy. Um, and then another one came against Janarius Robinson, the ones were going against the twos. And Janarius Robinson put a sick spin move on Derisaw, got up around him again. And Derisaw flipped his hips, gets his paws, big old bear paws on uh, Janarius Robinson and just punches, just pushes him. Gets him off his feet into the ground, and it turned into a pancake. That is a recovery rep where he's like, "All right, you set me up. You got your good move to get past me, but I'm not out of this rep yet. I'm not holding. No, I'm pushing, and you just can't keep your balance anymore." That is a such a good rep. Um, not to be overshadowed is Brian O'Neill, who I do still think looks like the best lineman on the team. Um, he did had some absolutely phenomenal, fun reps against Daniel Hunter, where Daniil Hunter had like three different moves in the pass rush, which is just incredible to witness anyways. And then you have uh, O'Neal with counters to all of them, and it's just this war. It, it looks like you're watching two martial arts masters fighting um, really cool stuff from the both of them. And then a quick word on Garrett Bradbury, who I did manage to get a better look at today. He's the same guy. He does all the same things. He's, he's there is no you're not hanging your hat. Somebody asked that question on Monday like, oh, how can we expect an improvement from him? No, he's the exact same dude. And if like he'll he'll get pushed back, he still has that hop technique. And I noticed Darren Wolfson posted a cut up of a bunch of the B roll from like Channel five. Um, and in it was a rep where Bradbury uses that hop technique against the bull rush from Harrison Phillips. Harrison Phillips bigger, stronger than Bradbury. We know this. Um, and he's the hop technique looks like he's struggling. It looks like he's fighting for his life. If you don't know what you if you don't know that that's a technique, but it's a very on purpose thing, um, to just slow the guy down, you hop back, you get your feet set and you try to push and no, you're not going to stop Harrison Phillips in his tracks. Few humans in the world can do that. Um, but you're going to at least be able to slow down his momentum a little bit. If you just get, it gives you a chance to kind of get a whole nother push on him, a whole nother explosion into him um and that should slow down his momentum enough so the quarterback can get the ball out so if you see that hop technique you see Bradbury hop 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 back and the ball got out in time I'm logging that as a win for the center and I actually did log that rep as a win a lot of people replied to that Darren Wolfson tweet oh Bradbury got his ass kicked again and no I'm, I'm logging that one as a win I think it took about four seconds for the pressure to actually make it to the quarterback ball should be out by four seconds Um, So that's the O-Line. I watched a lot of the wide receivers today, and I want to talk to you about the receivers in the corners and kind of what's going on in some of those battles. But first, let me talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Built Bar is absolutely delicious, covered in 100% chocolate. This particular time's abomination (laughs) is Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. Again, covered in 100% chocolate, and before I describe this to you, keep in mind this has 160 calories and 15 grams of collagen protein. It's got a marshmallow fluff interior that's like light and fluffy and just the right amount of chewy, and then cookie dough chunks in it, and it's covered in 100% chocolate. 160 calories in this thing. Low sugar, low fat, low calorie, and chock full of protein. So go to Built.com, enter promo code LOCKED15. And you can get 15% off of your order. That's L O C K E D 1 5 at built.com. Hey, thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day every day. For your second thing, go check out the history documentary. You can find it at patreon.com/slash lukebraun NFL. It's a seven part series detailing the entire history of the Minnesota Vikings. We're all the way up through 1971 so far. The next part will come out this weekend. It's seventy two to seventy eight, the last the last Fran Tarkenton years, the rest of the Super Bowls, the rest of that whole purple gang. I hope you go check it out. And if you join me on Patreon, you can get that a day early. That means you can watch it tomorrow. I hope you go check that out. Also check out the Minnesota football party. It's an ensemble show with me, Sam Ekstrom, Luke Inman, and Arif Son. It's very similar vibes to the old zone coverage football machine, if you remember that one, but it's plus me. So I hope you go check that out as well. You can find it on the Locked On Minnesota Sports podcast feed. Now, let's talk about some wide receivers. I spent a lot of time talking about wide receivers um, or watching the wide receivers today. I really kind of honed in on them and what I'm really looking for when I, I watched their routes, especially in the individual drills, where they were just doing, um, like, quick outs. It was just a 90-degree cut, right? So I'm looking for how they decelerate into that cut and, in particular, how many stutter te- steps it takes for them to get down to the speed they need to be at so that they can make the cut they need to make, make that turn, and then how much does it take for them to accelerate back up to full speed? And then, of course, like, do they catch the pass and all that stuff? Um, But it was... Like some of those guys are just like not as nimble as other guys. You know, you watch the undrafted dudes go and they take a lot more little stutter steps and there's a lot more footwork going on. There's a lot more wasted motion going on and then they break out and it's not quite as quick as as they accelerate out. And then you see somebody like Jalen Naylor is very smooth and he doesn't decelerate all the way. And so he's been rounding it off a little bit. Which, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, as long as you hit the spot you're supposed to hit. It's just that it's not quite as sudden. It might be a little easier to read him there. We, somebody like Myron Mitchell, Tristan Jackson. A little bit more crisp. A little bit more of a, a hard edge to that cut. But they took a little longer to get in and out of it. Um, so, you know, pick your poison with all of those guys. But I would say all of those guys look like they're worthy of being on an NFL roster. Um, then you have, like... Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne going one take I'm kind of working on right now is that I think KJ Osborne looks a lot more complete than Adam Thielen I think Adam Thielen kind of looks like he's lost a little bit of a step of his momentum nothing dire it's not like he's suddenly like the total useless whatever like he's still going to be a good red zone threat he's still a good route runner he's going to be a guy you can look to on every third down and in every red zone situation and that's going to be where the lion's share of like the win probability added of a receiver comes up is in those high leverage situations why they call him high leverage Um, but if if I need to do a deep post down the sideline on first and 10 I think I'm asking KJ to do it he looks really good he looks even better I think than last year he's smooth in and out of his cuts he does not take a lot of steps to accelerate or decelerate he's um, got a lot of polish a lot of confidence with that Um, and then Justin Jefferson goes (laughs) And Justin Jefferson is just insane. So not only is he by far the smoothest one in and out of his breaks and he's and he's cutting it off really sharp and it's all really, really, really dope stuff. Um, But Justin Jefferson also is adding all sorts of flair to this. He's adding little leans and he's adding little hip turns. You know, they teach cornerbacks that like the hips don't lie. Um, You know, you're supposed to watch the hips. Don't watch the arms. Don't watch where the head goes. Don't watch where his eyes go. All of that is lies. All of that is trying to deceive you. Um, The hips don't lie. The hips have to be where he is going. But with him, he's actually leaning his hips. And he's actually showing you bad information with his hips that's going to trick you and deceive you. And he's throwing all the arm stuff. And he's throwing all these other little moves. And his releases are really interesting and really explosive. And he's got dead leg stuff going on. He has so many layers to these routes that they're redefining what a route run can be. Um, And that is so exciting to me to watch and the connection between him and Kirk Cousins is just off the rails. I mean, it is unbelievably good how much chemistry there is. And when you talk about chemistry with a quarterback and a wide receiver. What I'm usually talking about is how position changes are like, they're like just like on the same page about it. So if you think about a route and say, you know, the coverage is in a certain way, I'm going to have to come back to the ball a little bit more because that corner is really tight on me and he's over the top of me. But if I come back to the ball, you should be able to throw this ball short and there's nothing that corner can do. And that might be a way you uh, fix a curl route so a corner that's playing tight over the top coverage won't actually be able to make a play on the ball. And being on the same page about that, you know, if you start coming back to the ball and he doesn't think you had to come back to the ball, he was going to throw it to your left. Suddenly, you know, the ball totally sails off and everybody says, whoa, inaccurate pass. What happened there? And we'll say maybe miscommunication or something. But really, that is, okay. I read the play one way. You read the play another way and there's a lot of subtlety to that, you know, do I come back 2 yards to the ball or 3 yards to the ball if I am going to break to the left to get away from this cornerback? You know, am I breaking hard? Am I breaking really fast or am I breaking just a little bit just to get some space? Where are you going to place the ball to lead what you think I'm going to do as the receiver? Um that's something that when a quarterback and receiver are on the same page, maybe say they're going into year 3 together and they can start to do that. You can start you can make good leverage and good coverage Turn into bad coverage. Guy can play the play like as perfectly as you, as you can expect him to. And then it can turn into bad coverage. That's where I get really hyped on um, Justin Jefferson this year. I don't know, man. He says he's going for 2K. Goodness, if he stays healthy, it's kind of hard to bet against him. <laughs> um, but I also want to talk about, about the guy that was covering Justin Jefferson. Because we had a budding superstar of camp especially in this practice. So that's, what's going to be next. We'll talk a little bit about the defensive backs. So, uh, y'all Cameron Dantzler's kind of cooking. Um, he looks like a genuinely good corner. Now, it's hard for me to compare this to the previous Cameron Dantzler camp narratives. I know he looked really good in the 2020 camp. I couldn't be there. And in the 2021 camp, he struggled a little bit more. I I thought he looked okay in that camp, and then he turned out to struggle a lot in the season. So with camp narratives, there's obviously going to be this big grain of salt, but it looks really good. (laughs) I don't know, man. He's really shown a great ability to stay, especially on a guy like Justin Jefferson, who's so hard to cover, and he's been the only guy who's been able to like consistently keep up. Um, on the flip side, his competition, Andrew Booth, has been really up and down. Um, Andrew Booth is very aggressive, and really what I saw at Clemson is continuing to happen, which, surprise, surprise, he's the guy. same guy he was A few months ago. Um, But what that was was really... So, when you're a cornerback, you're in man coverage, you really only need to be in the guy's pocket when the ball gets there, right? If you can guarantee that you'll be in the guy's pocket when the ball gets there, where you are for the rest of the rep won't have any effect on that, so long as it doesn't have any effect on your ability to to be there when the ball gets there. Andrew Booth wants to be on you constantly. And this is just how he's wired. It's just who he is. Um, He just wants to beat you at every single second of this rep and it makes him very aggressive it makes him really want to close gaps and close in on you and when he's doing that it's it's manipulatable and so you can get beat on that sometimes but a lot of that is just he he wants to close in on you And he'll do it early and he'll get there early and he'll get flagged or he'll get handsy and he'll get a holding penalty or something. Or there are times when I think he would have got a holding penalty, but the whatever ref they had in camp didn't happen to throw it or was looking at something else or whatever. But I do think he deserved more flags than he got. And he's already gotten a lot of flags. Um, This is to be expected. This is exactly what we thought he would be coming out. He's going to get a lot of flags. He's going to have to learn not to do that. But I don't think that's learning not to be aggressive. I think that's just learning to time it. Just learning that, hey, you don't need to be in this guy's pocket for his entire route stem. You don't need to work that hard. Um, you can, you know, put yourself in a position to be in this guy's pocket after he breaks off the route, and then you can, um, you know, then you can go be in his pocket. Then you can make that aggressive thing, but but pick your spot, right? Pick where you're going to be aggressive and do all that. Elsewhere on the defense, um, Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, getting a lot of Rotational reps, they're kind of rotating out, taking load management stuff, but it also paves the way for rookies to get a little more run. Young guys, Cam Bynum looks pretty good. Like he he caught that interception that Kirk Cousins was uh, so mad about at the end of the the situational drill. That's how the situations ended this time. Kirk Cousins sailed one; it was an interception. Kirk Cousins had a spectacular day. He was pretty mad at himself over that one. Just got away from him, and he just lofted it way too far, and it landed right in Cam Bynum's hands. He was playing over the top in really good position. Um, and he's, he's had a really nice camp and Lewis seen, I don't think has quite been up to where cam Bynum has been. Um, so I do think you get the two starting cams, but I do, I think these rookies are going to rotate in to some degree and over time, over the course of the season that can be fiddled with. And maybe the rookies get more and more as they get a little more comfortable. Um, Lewis scenes just like late to stuff. Sometimes he's breaking on it really aggressively. Um, And that's really good. Like he's breaking with a lot of confidence. He's just got to get a little faster. It's like if he could just trade, just split the difference with Andrew Booth, everything would be perfect. Um, But these are problems that are the kind of problems you want to have with a rookie. Like you don't want to be looking at rookies and be like, man, that dude looks totally lost. He has no idea what he's looking at. You want him to be like, yeah, he knows what he's looking at. He knows what he wants to do. He has this confident approach. He's just a little early or he's just a little late to it. You know, you just kind of got to get him a little more comfortable. Um, so right off the bat, I'm really loving the return off of this draft class. Um, of course, you know, you you have the potential to have a starting guard by feelings on that guy are mixed, um, but at least he gets some utility, right? Um, Brian Asamoah looks like he should be a, an interesting rotational piece. Um, I don't know if he is your Kend- Eric Kendrick's heir apparent, uh, but he definitely will have a niche. He'll have his role and that'll be interesting. And then, you know, Booth and Scene seem like they're they're going to be able to get involved right away and maybe build up as they get a little more comfortable with everything. But right now, the Cams are clearly better players, if you ask me. Um, Elsewhere on the defense, a quick note, Jalen Twyman's looking real bad. He's so undersized and he got way too much muscle mass for the combine and it torched all of his tests. And I think he's back down to, like, a normal playing weight for him. And he's just going to be an undersized guy. And he just has to embrace that. Jalen Twyman's idol is Aaron Donald, who wins with quickness despite being undersized. You've got to be that kind of guy. And right now, all I'm seeing from Jalen Twyman are bull rushes that get stood up pretty effortlessly, even when he wins the leverage battle and the hands battle. He's got his hands perfectly placed underneath the guy's pads. And this guy's going to be like Kyle Hinton or like Jesse Davis. And he's just getting stood up and has absolutely no ability to push this guy. Um, you can you can tell that he doesn't have the strength you need to be a, a pile-pushing defensive tackle. Um, and so he's going to have to try to win another way. Like, if your world is that you're Hercules Mata'afa, then be that. And there's a place for you here. Uh, but right now, unless he starts showing me something different or I start seeing him trying other moves... I wouldn't project Jalen Twyman to make the team. Um, So tomorrow I will be at camp again. We're going to do all of this again. Uh, Maybe I'll talk about that unofficial depth chart if there's anything interesting on there. But on first glance, it it all looked pretty chalk. Um, I will see you all then. In the meantime, check out the history doc if you'd like. Check out the Minnesota football party. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.